0: You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a philosophy podcast for students, graduates, and anyone else interested in ideas. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy.
1: What have you reading this week? We'll quote we'll like a catchphrase. What's the book? <laughs> <laughs> just what's Sick. the book
0: sam what's the ancient book <laughs> hey sam what's the ancient book you've been reading today called
1: today's ancient book is the art of war by sun tzu that's interesting Yeah, it it's pretty interesting it's a pretty good book well i just described it as the most depressing book more depressing than the other one which is uh marcus Aurelius' meditations which is also not a depressing book i'm sure I'm everybody remembers it. that episode fondly yep i'm sure i'm sure our listener Singular, um, yes, yeah, me, is
0: <laughs> not, not even you.
1: <laughs> Just listen, yeah, to super. I listen I listened back to the first two minutes of the stoicism thing, I was like, wow, this guy's nice. And then now, two weeks on, have completely different point of views,
0: yeah. Because I uh, so, the, with the stoicism one, I, I kind of knew a little bit about stoicism because I've yeah. studied a little bit because it's, it's obviously like a western thing and I've studied philosophy, so it's like I've come across it before and I come across it with, in humanism and other things, but then, uh. Yeah, this I have no context for this. obviously, I did a little bit of reading to get my head around it when, when I you said s- some of the quotes and whatever. Yeah, but because um, yeah, I don't know anything about like ancient Chinese history, or it's like a completely different philosophy, completely different period of history. Yeah, it's a different sort of slant on the world. And the thing about this is,
1: like, this is one of those books that everyone knows of. And it's mentioned in every sort of like facet. I know, like there's it's used in business a lot. Um, People use it in sports teams. It's like it's one of those books that everyone. If if someone's writing a screenplay, and they've got a director who's coming in, and the story is he takes over business and turns around. That they they're gonna maybe they might throw this book out because everyone's aware of it, Mm. Um, but they don't. They haven't actually read it or understand sort of what it's about. And I think the the cool thing about it is it's sort of like a it's like a treatise on like. Like common sense, and like how's the thing? And it's like there's never any bit of this where I'm like, Oh wow, that's there's no mind blowing bit where it's talking about like uh cavalry formations or something, it's just very sort of it's very broad- fundam- fundamental,
0: yeah. Like evaluate the battlefield and everything,
1: yeah, and and things that can transition really easily just into your everyday life and your everyday way of thinking, yeah. Because I was
0: kind of thinking, Well, how how does this? instruction book on how to wage war why are civilians in like over two thousand years later reading this 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 is why the fuck are you reading this yeah but then i I read a bit i was like i can yeah i can see how this some of it is indirect you have to kind of like with the business stuff i think you do have to kind of you have to map
1: it onto what you know and this brings us on to this there was another book that i want to do which is um the book of five rings by uh, miyamoto musashi which is which i did start reading was like okay this is just this is just too stupid. It's like a really vague, and I'm not clever enough to understand it. Which is, like that, that could be a factor, or it's just like very literal and it's just about stabbing people. But um, um most Masashi has this amazing quote, which is, uh, "Once you know the way broadly, you see in all things," which is a fantastic quote because it's like, once you have an idea of, once you have a good understanding of one thing, you then Translate, instantaneously yeah. map everything to that, yeah, and it's yeah. like. I've been reading this book. Every single thing I was mapping over to teaching or, like, jiu-jitsu or just, like, anything or or planning, because those, like, the three things that I do, like, if if you were to put a bet on if I was doing one of three things, it would be those things at any point. Or, like, sleeping. You don't eat, you just... No, I just ...jiu-jitsu. Yeah, just that's how I get my sustenance. I get my sustenance by fucking... I I plan to eat. Yeah, so I I think we need to sort of
0: go through the context... um... Let's take, it, um, take um, a step right. back. So, first of all, yeah, so who was this guy and when was he writing? This brings on to another point which I think he
1: talks about in the pre-Socratics, which is uh, the fact that Sun Tzu probably wasn't actually a person. So Sun Tzu was apparently, uh, his name was actually Sun Wu, so he was of the, the Wu nation. And this was a period of time um, when China was split up into loads of rival... Yeah, seven kingdoms. Seven and, kingdoms. Uh, they were all warring, so so Wu was one of these kingdoms. Wu was one of those kingdoms, and it's actually like I think later on in martial history, Wu became like the symbol for war. Yeah. And it, um, they sort of all well, their colours are are red and everything. So, and this is this is roughly so sort of five hundred BC. Five hundred BC ish. They say like the the, the common reign is like four fifty to five thirty six, but in the same way that like the pre-Socratics was sort of like a collection of the knowledge that came before, and sort of in the same way that Freud is like um I guess like uh, a, a scientific version of folk tales and everything or this pre-knowledge. Or in the same way Shakespeare didn't invent all these words, but he was just the first to coin it. Sun Tzu is just writing down all these military tactics and ways of thinking that obviously have come before him. And also like he wasn't just one person. People sort of added on to it as the years went by. Yeah so like like the Bible or
0: something like that. Yeah, so this is obviously this is five hundred BC that he was supposed to have written this. Or yeah. came up with it and maybe it was orally passed well the first um, known writing we have of it is 200 AD in the Han dynasty and oh, that's, so it's a, that's got about a third of what we know now from it so it's obviously been adapted and changed
1: yeah and also there was there's like a whole another section that it looked like someone transcribing it was like oh this is cool we'll add that on so mm-hmm. there, there's a couple of things which is like Sun Tzu wasn't, probably wasn't the person that's like problem number one Problem number two is translation from Chinese. No one agrees what's written down. If you get four books or four copies of The Art of War, they're all probably different. They will probably have loads of different interpretations. In fact, the interpretations and people, when they read it, they read it with commentator notes from other generals who have them interpreted it over the years and sort of try to break down some of these quite... Uh, apparently, in the original Chinese, is actually quite cryptic, right. So and it therefore makes it quite open to interpretation. So there's like... For example, there's loads of lines where one person takes a completely different meaning to another person. So that's like problem two. We've got Sun Tzu's not being a real person. Uh, the fact it's tr- have written down in ancient Chinese, which is hard enough to translate into Chinese, let alone into English. And the third problem is it's also written for a person. So it's written for, who's it written for? It was King, written King for... King yeah, Hulu. Hulu. Uh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've only ever seen that name written down. Please don't stab me, internet people. <laughs> he was the he was the king of the Wu state and basically Sun Tzu was uh, well apparently the the, the mythical character of Sun Tzu was a fantastic general and he wrote down all of his teachings so he could pass it on to this king and what's quite funny is after he wrote this down he then they lost a load of battles and then the king got destroyed yeah so it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like it wasn't that it wasn't like well great.
0: he he won the battle of uh, he won one great victory can't remember where that was but Boju mm-hmm. something like that. So,
1: um, they they won the battle, but they didn't win the war. No, they, yeah, they didn't last as a kingdom.
0: Uh, but the the, because eventually out of this this warring states period, you you got the first emperor. Yeah. It was uh, Qin Shi Huang, and he's the guy who buried with all the terracotta yeah. stuff. And uh, he he's allegedly said that this book um, was what enabled him to become the emperor. he was like, I want to give a big shout out to, <laughs>
1: to this book. Shout out to Pythagoras. <laughs> couldn't have, couldn't have got here without this book. So, yeah. That's that's almost like a sneak this throwback to Wu. It's like as a, as a kingdom that you've conquered or that you've unified, which probably means conquered. It's like,
0: oh yeah, shout out to one of the kingdoms whose book helped me do this. But yeah, so this is like the context in what war was like in this time. So it's like Iron Age kind of stuff for yeah, China. This there. is like iron weapons. Well, well, they, and stuff.
1: St- they still they were sort of in the stage of warfare. It's sort of like. Um, pre-Hellenic, that sort of era of Greece, they still had chariots and everything was, everything was built around the chariots. You'd have a chariot and then you'd have like 75 infantry for each chariot and then they would have like just infantry,
0: archers, and then chariots. And then what's different like from some of the stuff before is that some of the towns are able to field like thousands of blokes. Some yeah. of the states, um, at least two of them, are able to like have these massive fucking armies. Um, so this, it's like warfare is evolving and so... You have more professional soldiers. The role of advisor is now kind of like a thing because you have more pro- professional.
1: Yeah, the, the army has more structure, and also like, but the thing is, they're still dealing with conscripts. Mm. So what's quite different between... sort of military, current military is now are sort of done on a voluntary basis, where you go, oh, "I'd like to sign up and, and enlist." And back then, they were just literally either either people were been living in such bad conditions that they would join the army just for food, or they just literally sort of round up blood of people in the same way that. You know, the British people used to sort of put a... They would put, like, a a shilling in someone's beer cup and then they've taken the Queen's shilling and they're like, yeah, you've got to serve on the ships now. Save the Queen! (laughs) Yeah, literally. I think it's... I imagine that's where it comes from. But it's just like, oh, yeah, you're now enlisted. You took the shilling. you, You had it in your beer mug. And it's like,
0: oh, great, cool. So, yeah, the way... Ah, were they drinking with their left hand? Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> they like, ah, no, I'm going to join the army now, mate. You, you know?
1: Yeah, I, w- I went on a nads, lads not out, and now I'm serving in fucking Mogadishu for, like, four years. That's great. The way this is written, this is quite... This is. I, I seem to gravitate towards books like this, because it's, like, every single quote. So you could probably just do a podcast on each one. And they're so, like, slight in the fact that... You can just read it and be like, oh, yeah, of course. Cool. But also, it's like, when you take it away and sort of digest them and think about them, it's quite... Like each quote has a lot to give you. And it's this thing of, like, that we seem to be rediscovering knowledge from the past, which I guess is, like, a key idea, that how come the things that we're reading from 2,500 years ago, we haven't actually managed to get straight in our heads yet? And how, how come we haven't actually managed to get things which are common sense? And, and this is obviously not just about, like the relationship between war and life is like one that's sort of clearly made and you can make relations to your own life uh or how can we have it in how can we have incorporated these ideas into the way that we act now which is like 2500 years later which is weird or the way we look back and see past knowledge
0: yeah what you were saying about um some of the stuff like jordan peterson how that's like basically just a rediscovery of knowledge and how yeah literally just, yeah people are just latching onto rediscoveries of knowledge and reiterations of knowledge and but but it's the thing it's like I remember you
1: you told me about reading 12 rules for life and you're like oh yeah that makes sense and it's it's not like it's like this thing of it's not that it's not that the things are like mind-blowing it's just we're not thinking about them we're either too <laughs> distracted or we're just not going over those things it's like things like I know one of the Jordan Peterson thing would be like, oh, surround yourself with
0: people that are good for you or who who want like the best for you. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Spinoza says something almost exactly like that. It's like just surround yourself with people who make you
1: more like you. Yeah. And the same thing could be put in an Instagram bubble and just chucked out as like a a thing that thousands of people would share and like. But then they still won't actually do that. And it's like that. That's the hard bit is incorporating some of these ideas into your life and actually using them, rather than just going, oh that's cool." And I think this is what this is why I was giving up the um. What did I say? This podcast should recorded It was like, it was like we want instant gratification. We don't want to work at things or think about things. It was like fourteen. You won't believe fourteen ways Sun Tzu <laughs> can help you enrich your life and get uh, get ripped abs
0: in fourteen weeks or some shit like that. For the thumbnail, I'll just put like uh sun tzu's text and then like all the chinese letters and titles just put a big red clickbait circle you won't believe what you missed
1: yeah yeah literally <laughs> literally it's like sun tzu's silhouette blacked out and then a big question mark going yeah. you're an idiot if you don't click this yeah you're like,
0: no 13 chapters number five will shock you oh, <laughs> dude it's, it's actually awful yeah clickbait is great have you have you heard the story of the concubines
1: I have not. This oh. this is this is like a. This sounds like a joke. Okay, yeah. Um, I've I've got
0: some I've got some good stories in there. This one about so so we don't know anything about Sanzo. I mean the normal because uh, we normally say on this podcast. Like, oh, imagine a big question mark at the end of everything we say. Imagine five for all the historical stuff because like we don't we don't know no one is, knows it's like the painting of the statue he just looks like he literally looks like a disguise he's
1: li- <laughs> <laughs> literally just got like a round face that could be anyone's It's nondescript
0: he's just got a mustache that looks like fake he literally looks like our oh, fucking marx brothers it's just like imagine all the chinese soldiers lining up and there's one in like a groucho marx yeah, literally, literally glass. <laughs> that, like,
1: he's Chinese groucho Marx. So
0: Chinese Groucho Marx <laughs> wrote this book and it's uh can up uh, like a fake beard. Yeah, so so basically uh, he he came from like this um, town which was kind of up and coming. He's a, a little bit like Manchester 5 years ago and it had all the vape bars opening. Cuz I see it's just outside of <laughs> it's just outside of Shanghai. Yeah. So we think of that as like central China, but in this it was like in this period it was kind of outside and he's he's up and coming and like yeah, there are more taxes, more um Affluence and wealth. So he's like, oh, I fancy myself as a bit of a, bit of a, bit of an advisor. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the king, and when he was um, offered this job, king was like, show me what you can do. You have heard this, yeah, yeah. He's like, Sh- show me, show me what you can do. So he's like, all right, um, I w- I will, but you've got to give me complete control over this situation. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's like, you mean it? Yeah, sure, okay, right. So, um gonna get like 400 of your concubines which is mental like 400 odd that, that's that's like that's too many i think there's a point where you're like My God, have i got too many
1: con-? you know when you got like i'm looking at your dvd collection here and you're looking oh that's quite a lot of dvds that's too many when you got 400 concubines this is oh, just jealousy yeah, The
0: knob yeah. must have been like
1: anyway but- non-existent yeah so Sun Tzu
0: was like you could take 400 of his hands he didn't even notice yeah, so, so, yeah well. so he gets 400 concubines to stand in the courtyard King's looking on on this little balcony I mean I don't know probably not but yeah he's looking he's looking down <laughs> it's a nice image yeah yeah he's looking down on the balcony and um, uh, Sun Wu basically says right um, your two top concubines are going to make them officers and uh i'm gonna relay some instructions so you uh, look forward look left look right to the sound of a drum and the, all the concubines are like okay we understand so he issues the first order and they all just start pissing themselves and rolling about and giggling and shit and that's classic, uh, classic concubine behavior there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um the, so, basically, the king's like, oh, this, that's shit, is it? You, you can't do anything. So he's like, okay, right, well, so it might be the general's fault, so it might be my fault, but maybe I didn't put the instructions out clearly enough. Can I, can I just step in? That's some, that's some fucking stoic, extreme ownership behaviour. It's not the concubine's fault. It's my fault. Yeah, so... It's the, it's the right way of thinking about things. So he, he blames himself first, and he says, okay, so let's just check it's not my fault, so I'll... Um, I'll reiterate the instructions and they do still understand. So he's like, okay, go again. So they all just piss about again and start like laughing and rolling around the floor. So then he says, right, so it's the chain of command then goes down, so it's the officer's fault. So he gets the two head concubines, like chops their heads off. And the king's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? It's my favorite concubines, mate. And he's like, well, yeah, you said I had complete control. So he's like, "Oh shit, I did." Oh no.
1: Sun Tzu making those
0: moves. Yeah, so um, and then yeah, he does it again, and everything works perfectly because they understand the situation. So there's a few things that we can kind of get from that about his philosophy of war. It's total. It was total. Yeah, so he, he views people as kind of machines, like well-oiled machines. It's it's um, kind of like he yeah, he does have this human element. I don't know. There's there's
1: some quotes later on where he says like he says a couple of things like uh, one of the one of the ways of failing there's like five main ways of failing you can either be like too rush, you can either be uh, too cowardly or you can just think there's an opportunity and go for it and you can be overly solicitous to your men which is like too nice to your men which kind of spoils what you're saying. But then also he has a really good point which talks about if you do not treat your men with humanity and niceness at the beginning, they will never follow any order you say later
0: on. And also, like, punishment that you have later on will not have any impact. It's still very utilitarian because he's... Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's like carrot and the stick. He wants a result out of it. He's all about results. I guess, but I'm going to say that story's probably not 100% viable. (laughs) No, I know, but uh, there's obviously a reason why it exists. And I think one of the other reasons is because he believes that once the general's given uh, his position and given out his orders by the king, he's no longer... um, Kind of comparable to the king he's yeah the hierarchy it's not really a question of hierarchy he's not under the king he's not over the king he's not to the side of the king he's just following out his orders there's there was another another cool bit which
1: is um he's talking about total like uh, if i go back to the head thing there was a thing he says here uh, da, 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 da. He, so when you lay down a law see that it's not disobeyed if it's disobeyed the offender must be put to death so that supports your point of view and also this leads on to this story of a guy called Tao Tao. Where he actually um he he was so obsessed with like not messing up the countryside and not harming any civilians, that he put himself to death, <laughs> um, because uh, he his horse rode through some field of corn. He ran his horse through a field of corn. He went. Oh yeah, I've got to kill myself. Is that true? Though? You have to kill. That- no, this is all like. Quick. Yeah, is all- yeah, yeah, and then, and then later on, apparently, his officers managed to persuade him to having a haircut. And it's like oh i don't believe any of that sentence but no. it's 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 but the idea it's the, it is, the it idea is revealing that if, if you have yeah. if you have something set in stone like okay this is a punishment you need to actually follow up with something because then if you're being if you if you have something that doesn't have teeth then that's how you sort of lose discipline mm. so i think that sort of supports it but then also he's talking later on about uh how the main point is to make sure you don't get your troops killed, how you don't, which can be attributed so your life is wasting energy, um, and making sure that the troops actually like and respect you because they are going to be sort of following your orders, and yeah. your lives can be based on theirs as well. Well,
0: should we talk a little bit about what's actually in the book? So it's like yes. it's like 13 chapters, Yep. and they're all you, like... You can read it in literally like 40 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it legit. more. Um And it's they're all like instructions, basically different elements of warfare and yeah so one of them was like on I think the last one's on like spies and the last one's yeah the
1: last one the spies it's on like you know organisation moving tactics attacking with fire mm. which i think is probably like a direct translation problem where it's probably just like you know attacking well or attacking strong or something like that
0: well if you yeah well i've got three different translations up at the moment but yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, this is this is the problem on with the art of voice. it's like it's less like an actual book as it is like a like a, a piece of myth
0: oh yeah so that attack by fire thing that's got um how many how many different words we got uh the fiery attack and incendiary attacks Okay. incendiary attack look, like, it, that, that I, think, I think it, I think it just
1: means attacking with fire doesn't it? Mm. but it just seems it seems weird to me that like everything else is about like movement and then you've got a very specific chapter on attacking with fire
0: yeah so you got like manoeuvring an army variation of tactics <coughs> um, use of energy attack by stratagem it's things like sur- surveying the terrain as well so you can see how, how it's kind of useful and applicable to things like a football team
1: yeah <laughs> Um, my favourite thing, which is like, this is the way he starts off the book, is he just, it just comes up straight out of a list about like, here's the five things you need to do to be a good commander. And like the first one, he, you need to have humanity or benevolence. Oh, you did send me these? Yeah, I, I sent you some of these, I think. Um, you need to have uprightness of mind, self-respect, self-control or proper feeling. The phrase proper feeling is a bit of a weird one in there. But I, I get the whole self-respect. It's kind of interesting because he's he's a Taoist. He's obviously writing yeah. at the same time as people like Confucius. Yeah, he literally... He talks about it in his book saying this should not be taken as like a school uh, away from Confucianism. This is not like a complete, mm. total view, but this is just like a, a practical... A uh, guide to how you should wage war and therefore sort of sort of your life as well, yeah. But he's not claiming this is like a spiritual answer. And he talks about, um, also you need to have in the first chapter, it talks about having uh, it's like moral, uh, you need to abide by moral laws, in which he talks about uh, Lao Tzu and like a little bit of Taoism as well,
0: yeah. So he's you say it it shouldn't be taken as a spiritual thing and uh, it's it's not that it's incongruent to the spiritual ideas of the day yeah it's but just, it's, it's separate it's um, it's almost like underneath isn't it it's like yeah, if you have
1: Taoism on top this is almost like uh
0: yeah this is a part of it so so he would he agrees with like most of the other schools of thought at the time that war is not actually ideal he doesn't yeah. he doesn't glorify war which is the interesting thing about this book um, and, and there's there's a really good quote later on, which is one of the fourteen, which
1: is like to win in uh, to win in all your battles is not supreme excellence. You the supreme excellence is to win without ever having a battle, and make sure that your enemy's strategies get taken down before they can ever talk about it. So he's this idea of Sun Tzu just being like this or the same it's the same way as like this this reminds me a lot of the Prince by Machiavelli where people haven't read the book, and then they just presume a load of shit about it. Which is me sticking up for
0: Machiavelli, but but it's like no, I have the same thing with Nietzsche. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's
1: it's like not a fascist Ni- yeah, it's like Nietzsche just wants the world to die. it's, it's like an emo like, well, You haven't read it, dude. Just yeah, it's chill like, out. Now they are a fascist or an. <laughs> it's like yeah, we, we get it. You saw you yeah. saw a thing on YouTube, and now now you're now you, saw, now you are Nietzsche. You, you saw, saw Wisecrack we, I didn't want to call them out, but yeah, <laughs> cry if you're listening, we're coming I, for you. I think, that, I think they corrected that, but yeah. Yeah, they probably should have out. My favourite thing here, uh, Sun Tzu, one should, he talks about um, if the circumstance is favourable, one should modify one's plans. A true soldier will have none of the bookish theoretical knowledge, and he then also cautions us to underpin our faith in abstract principles. So it's literally, this is like the first section of the book. He goes, okay, a good commander must be these five things. Uh don't listen to this book. If you try and if you try and well not don't listen to this book, but if you take these principles as set in stone, you're never gonna be able to achieve anything. The whole point is about reading the situation at hand and then reacting to it. Yeah, there's a fluidity in it. There's yeah. n- there's no such thing as like if A then do B. This these are just sort of like overriding general rules, which I think is the reason why it's so applicable to so sort of thinking and uh so many aspects outside of like warfare
0: yeah I mean, one thing that kind of struck me is like in eastern philosophy in general I'll call it philosophy very broadly yeah, yeah. there's this idea of like um cultivation of craft and things like the kind of like a you have a certain discipline and you just you just try and perfect that and that in itself is like a form of philosophy it's it's like it's back back to Musashi where he's talking about the way mm-hmm. and he talks about the way
1: and he says you i cannot tell you the way you will not gain the way from reading this book, the Book of Five Rings. You will know what your way is only by the fact that you have taken your foot off the path. You know when you've taken your foot off the path of the way, you know um, what feels wrong, what feels right. And then he talks about if you take a divergent step or if you take into someone else's point of view, there's some people, this is why I think Misashi is quite interesting to read because it's like, if you take on someone else's point of view... This is the Five Rings thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't mean that you've deviated from your path. You don't have to go, "Uh, I'm a strict Taoist, and therefore I can't talk to Christian because my path is Taoism. Musashi's talking about how if you take an idea from someone else, incorporate that into your schema, that doesn't mean that you're moving from the path of the way. That means you're taking in other ideas. Yeah. And also, he talks about Musashi. He talks about how... um, he, he was... He like, Musashi was basically like a sword fighter. He won, like, over 80 duels. He's basically like a, a hero, like a legend in Japanese history, but he did actually exist. So unlike Sanzu, who's a bit sort of nebulous, he's actually a real person who just, like, um, killed loads of people and formed, like, a, a, a sword fighting school. Mm. But what was interesting about him was, was the fact that he didn't have a teacher and he learnt from incorporating everything else. He literally just spent time in the mountains... And you know, just like went through the sort of classic tropes of like Japanese swordsmen just like studying rivers and all this crap. <laughs> and it's do, do, do you know, what I mean, like all these all these classic things you put in a Bruce Lee film, and it's like he was very much about crafting your individual way, and incorporating many things into that way.
0: Yeah, but I I quite like the the way that the way is a it's a verb. It's it's abstract. yeah, it's it's it's, it's a. It's a it's part of living it's something you do and that, that's something in western philosophy that we're, we're still trying to wrap our heads around because we've, we've got all this abstract language from people like Plato and Aristotle and we've kind of it, we're bound by it yeah it's coming back with ideas like virtue ethics and stoicism but still like the idea that a philosophy is something that's lived it's something that's transformative and something you, you do do you, do you want to know how to, how
1: to truly be at one with the way and 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 these what I love about these statements are they're all impossible. It's like it's like they're, they're, they're all impossible. It's like Sisyphus rolling the stone up the hill. It's impossible, but it's something for you to do. It's something for you to aim for. So do not think dishonestly is number one for Musashi Sashi. Just like, okay, that's really I think that's a really important thing too. It's not even like do not speak dishonestly. It's like try and evaluate things for what they are, and try and see like the truth in situations. Try to be aware of your like your cognitive bias. Try to be. Aware of being in an echo chamber, trying to evaluate things properly.
0: Yeah, I, well, I think I think all religions and uh, philosophies, in terms of like doctrines, or uh, well, even even things that aren't doctrines, like humanism, they have this like um, ideal that you should strive towards. Yeah. Uh, that's like Christ and. Christianity yeah, it, 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 like, it's impossible. Like, but but it's it's, it's a. Bench, a it's a benchmark, and you know, I, I, I mean, Christians would be probably more inclined to sort of beat themselves up over the fact that they can't achieve this ideal. Um, not that they expect to achieve the ideal, but they live in a constant thing of like, oh, damn it, I'm never going to be this ideal. Yeah, it's but a straight then, perpetual... Yeah, but with humanism, it's like, okay, you're never going to be this ideal, and that's fine, we're all flawed, we're all human, but there's the ideal anyway. Like, you, you can kind of work towards it if you want. Well, you, you
1: But, that, but that's, that's the idea, it's like, there's the ideal, mm. rather than... Rather than you, you know what the ideal is, and you know when you're not living the ideal. You know when you've stepped off the the path of the way, and I I, I do like the sort of the verb nature of it. And the second point of the way is the way is in training, which is just in like you are saying, picking a craft and just absolutely focusing on that or becoming excellent in that. So that's the second point, which is quite mm, different yeah. from different from Thou shalt not. It's very very yeah, non-prescriptive, it's, and it's yeah, it's very
0: um How, like the way is in training. They is, are they are sorry. a little bit they are a little bit like um just it's just like a collection of mantras and, and yeah. ideas. Um, yeah, it's interesting the kind of exploring his pacifism. He, yeah, he doesn't idolise war. He doesn't want war. He thinks that war is basically a last resort, and there there are yeah there are parts of the, where he's like oh I I think that you should you should try and make maintain and like keep strong allies you should use diplomacy where possible you should even submit to a bigger enemy temporarily yeah um if it's going to help you survive but then there's also parts where he's like you need to utterly destroy an enemy like uh, utterly just
1: if, like, you, if you have to yeah if there's a if there's a point where it comes to it because it's better to do that and it's like the, the thing he's talking about is just like it's better for your men yeah, it's it's like you. Uh, I think there was the point for like if you, if you have like one to every ten of their men, you should surround them. If you have ones every two, you should have one battalion and then another to do. So it's basically someone to do something normal, some do something sneaky. If you have a one, well, all, on one warfare you based on or all warfare is based on deception. All warfare is these are the quotes that you get at the bottom of Rome Total War, where it's just like all warfare. Is or based when, on or deception. when you die
0: in Call of Duty Three.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Yeah. You get like a little thing of it. Yeah, what's the talking about that? So quote it would be like knowing the uh, place and the time for coming back. We may concentrate uh, from the greatest distances in order to fight, and then he goes on to say, "Uh, "Choose your battles carefully. Expend the uh,
0: the energy only where you have to." So Mm. it's like, and from this kind of thing, you can see where you could really apply it into everyday life. There's another one which is. uh, if you know the enemy and know yourself, yes, the you classic need, one. Yeah, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Well, I mean, all these quotes are a little bit paraphrased and they they changed and everything. It's very hard to translate from a, a totally different language. It's like the fund- the root is fundamentally different, so it's yeah. like it's not you know it's not going to be completely analogous meaning. But yeah, I quite like that because it's it's like the whole know yourself, know thyself. Thing. It's, it's Descartes, isn't it? I literally I had
1: underneath that I highlighted and I had it Descartes. Uh, Descartes question mark woke quote of the year as well it's like it is about and um sunzu again is about knowing yourself and he has an awesome quote which is somewhat along the lines of um uh, in order to gain victory first of all the first thing you do is put yourself beyond the possibility of defeat and then you um you wait for the enemy to make a mistake so it's like you never actually gain your victory and he talks about being uh, victorious in the field a victorious army then seeks battle any army that seeks battle and then a sort of figures out if it's going to be victorious will never actually be victorious. You should only go into a battle when you know one hundred percent the outcome, and one hundred percent that you will win or you'll be positive from this. Because mm. it's like, why would you go in with
0: like a flip of
1: the coin thing?
0: There's a lot of um, optimism in it as well, which is like another thing people can get from it. Maybe it's it's basically saying like, if you follow this stuff, you will win. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. be like one against a hundred. If you if you understand all this correctly. And it's like again, understanding it. It's like, it's it's not like In, X to Y. It, yeah. It's it, it, yeah. It's it's like if you and can you be able to apply this. There's, yeah, if there's you can apply really... this correctly, you will win. He's like a very good underdog general.
1: There's a fantastic quote here which I need to quickly skim through. Um, where he talks about um, you may know how to conquer and still not be able to do it, which mm-hmm. is a really which is a really good like undercut of his whole principles because he's he starts the book saying if you do this, you will win and then he's got that sort of get out where it's like it's like the no true Scotsman fallacy that's it's like yeah. oh are you lost oh you didn't do it properly and it's like oh okay we get it yeah um, but then he says like it's like it's like um, an example that I was thinking of was um, Hannibal Barker you know where he, he led all the troops through the the, the, with the elephants is to do with the elephants yeah so yeah. He, he basically Carthaginian in general um, led a surprise attack through the Alps fucking loads of people died and he had a really famous battle called Cannae where he um, used one of these sort of Uh, ideas from here to lure out the generals and then crush them and then he went to march on to Rome but then something happened which is going back to the quote of you may know how to conquer uh, but not be able to do it he then decided instead of attacking Rome he was going to wait and then he attacked a place called Capua and then eventually he got surrounded there and got cut off and it's like imagine what history or how history would have turned out if he made that other choice if he'd attacked Rome at that point Mm. So he'd gained this massive victory from Kano. He'd used all the right strategies in order to get it. And then he went, oh, I don't feel like I can get Rome this uh, year or whatever. Went away and then eventually lost support. People died, uh, ran out of food. And he sort of got slowly defeated. So it's, it's and he talks about Sun Tzu. So talks about, it. he says, first way you can win is by being too reckless. The second way you can win is by being too cowardly. And it says the Chinese uh, word cowardly here literally translates as uh, the man whose timidity prevents him from advancing to seize an advantage, which is like, that's pretty fucking harsh in Chinese, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you could be cowardly just by doing nothing. And I think that's that's a big lesson that we can all take away or that we could all probably do with now is the idea of doing nothing is seen as a sort of zero sum state, isn't it? Where... Oh, I'm, I'm only doing nothing, I'm standing still. It's like, no, actually, yeah, it's like this whole you're idea actually that going backwards.
0: Abstaining is still a choice. Yeah. So I, I quite like that in a moral context. It's like, if you, if you abstain to help someone, I think I said drowning in a pond. Yeah, you've made that choice. <laughs> yeah.
1: You haven't just gone, you haven't, that's not morally neutral. Yeah, it's not you, morally neutral. When you don't give to do the that.
0: beggar, that's still a, you, that's a choice you've just made not to do that. Sam Harris says, we don't have brains. Ah. <laughs> Uh, but it's yeah. I literally read that line. And I was like, "Wow, Sun Tzu's harsh. He's not. He's not fucking around." It's speak, like... speaking of harsh. Like, so he he wants to win um, at pretty much any cost. he has some kind of morality. He has some interest in in moral questions outside of this. Yeah, like, I think so. so. context as well. I think I think
1: you would kind of have to, wouldn't he, you? Yeah.
0: Well. Well. Yeah. Like he he doesn't.
1: He's, he's not leading an army of robots.
0: But um, what do you think he would have thought of war crimes in like a more modern context and like nuclear weapons and shit? What do you? I think? don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is like one of these things where... Uh... It's, like, it's like saying, well, what, do, what would Nietzsche have thought of the internet? I don't know. It's like, well, does it matter in <laughs> one sense? Like... Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But also, like, what would Sun Tzu have thought of war now? He'd probably be
1: pretty happy. We don't really have that many wars. Like, compared to, compared to the Seven Kingdoms where literally every generation there was a new iteration of, like, the divine king who was just, like, slaughtering people in order to try and fight, to get to unified China. Yeah, it's, it's like a whimsical like it, tale like, oh, about... It's, this is quite nice.
0: Yeah, it's a whimsical tale about chopping the heads of concubines. It's like, it's a pretty brutal time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we don't... And I, I guess we, we kind of stop wars before they happen and like the whole spy which is, thing. Which
1: is, that's classic Sun Tzu. It's like, the, mm. to defeat your enemies is not supreme excellence. It's to stop his strategy before there's even been a war, there's even been any sort of combat going on. So I think in that way, nuclear weapons might be like the ultimate Sun Tzu thing <laughs> because it's literally just like, okay, there can't now be a war between uh, Russia and America because if there was, it's going to be so, uh, so big, it's going to be absolutely total. So it's almost like that idea of stopping the strategy before it happens. So what about things like honor and uh,
0: killing civilians and stuff?
1: <laughs> he doesn't mention that. No. <laughs> he doesn't mention that. He just talks about. Um, he, talk- he just literally talks about winning battles. So there's no, there's no idea of like chivalry in this, or. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of chivalry going on. In fact, no. like the fact that he's talking about, like he talks about two others. Uh, uh, he has this really cool section where he goes, like, oh, Are there only five musical notes? Which is like, mm, It's not really true, Sun Tzu. Um, but also, uh, but they can make any, any number of millions of melodies you'll never be able to hear. Or there's only five cardinal tastes, but they can make all sorts of dishes more than you'll ever be able to taste. Or five primary colours, more colours than you can ever see. There's only two types of warfare there's like direct attack and indirect attack. And that's literally his advice. On, and then he talks about how, like, you should have direct and indirect working at the same time, and what may seem to be direct can be indirect, and what may seem yeah. to be indirect can it's, be direct. It's an oversimplification, but it's, yeah, yeah it's, if, if you apply it the right way... You don't want to be, like, if if situation one is happening, do two, because it's this idea to take these sort of principles, like, he talks about not attacking, uh, like, strong positions, like, not arguing with someone who's got a really cohesive point about something, or attacking weak points with your strong point and mm. it's like if you can see that if you can see the broad if you see the way broadly to direct that you can then sort of creatively apply that to your life and take those elements which are quite like basic really and then apply those to situations you're in but no as far as killing civilians or chivalry yeah that's not in there so i imagine if if I, if sunzu could gain an advantage by killing other civilians probably get done
0: I think I think it's not. It's obviously not a comprehensive text. No. So I think, and if you take into account his his Taoism, I'm pretty sure he would have lines he would draw.
1: I think. I think so. Yeah. It's like it's. I imagine it'd be like what? What do you gain from it? Maybe so. It'd be like like he talks about um things about like oh uh, if you go into an enemy's territory, you should feed on the enemy. You should take like all their food and stuff like that. But then he also talks about interesting points. I guess he does talk about that because he talks about. If you capture an enemy's battalion, that is so much better than killing them. And if you capture them, they should be treated nice and fairly and they should be fed. Because that's so demoralizing to the enemy. That's like a method. And he does yeah, that because all a there's a there's a reason
0: to do it. I d- yeah, I think he's separa- I think he's just separating war from his Taoism. I, I think I, I think he yeah, must do. Because it's think, it's not a very
1: Taoist thing to do, is it? guy yeah.
0: But then you think of like Bushido Samurai, it's like, well that's not a very Buddhist thing to do yeah it's a and bit intense you know it's like there's a, there's a lot that's, of that's the next
1: that's the next antiquated Japanese book for me to get my head around yeah it's like the going into battle thinking you're already dead and it's like what <laughs> what's that even mean They're crazy people
0: so yeah just before we end what to talk about? The legacy of the book. Before we end ourselves, yeah. <laughs> what to they talk about? The uh, the how this book's kind of yeah the cultural legacy of it. It's before before we in
1: like we invade Gloucestershire, we just go yeah Sunzu got it. Where are my <laughs> where are my concubines?
0: It's, it's right as an army. So yeah, it was it was part of um <laughs> it was part of seven military classics that basically survived all these book burnings. It was compiled into this seven books. What oh, were well, the other ones? Are on War and. Yeah. Machia-
1: Machiavelli wrote the Art of War. Like he literally just got the Art of War and basically wrote it
0: again with modern historical sort of points backing up and stuff. Yeah, but it's it's so crazy that this book is like just still around. It's so important because in a lot of countries in East Asia, obviously China being one of them, you uh, you have to read this book to get a job in the military. It's on the reading list. Yeah, I think uh, fair enough to us. Yeah, and it's it's on the um, it's on the raw marines. The Marine Corps for the US, it's on their reading list as well. It's in like pretty much every military library in the world, pretty big. And it's, it's the fact that it's so simple. And like I, the first time I went to Reddit, I was like, I was like
1: rubbing my hands, just like, oh, this is it. I've played a couple of games of Civ 5. Let's uh, let's get my son's zoo on. This 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 was like what, like eight years ago, medieval toll. Oh, yeah, back in the day, Rome, uh, what is it, Rome Gold Edition, mate. I thought, like, oh, yeah, I've got this, let's get my son zoo on read it was like oh this book's shit <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally my first thought was just like oh this is just crap like i, th- I thought this is going to be i thought this is going to be like a if a then b sort of thing you know but it is a bit more it is a bit more like source of, is i wouldn't say like philosophical like spiritual but it is a bit more vague there's a bit more sort of like oh you should kind of do this aimed or like aim to achieve this but I'm not going to tell you how to do it because there isn't a way that you'd be able to apply it to your life or to warfare or whatever. Do you know any like famous people that used the book? Um, George Washington, I know he's a big fan of that uh, that book. I think Rommel <laughs> as well. He had a copy of it. Um, Field Marshal Montgomery uh, talks about in the art of war as
0: well. Yeah, World War Two was like a big. Th- everyone was reading it. Yeah,
1: I guess because I guess because you could have a copy in your pocket. Yeah. And this is what it's I tiny. think. This yeah. is what I think makes the art of war so applicable to your everyday life is because it's so short mm. and the ideas are so uh the ideas are so simple and so concise that it's like yeah you can easily apply this to sort of everyday activities it's like like one of the things was um you should like the the least form of effective combat is to assail walled cities or sieges and it's like how often do we do that in arguments well we'll have an argument with someone like no your point's wrong and they're like, no, no, I'm really dug in. You go, no, your point's wrong. And let's say, like, you're arguing with someone about this, and then all you're doing is making like their relationship bad. But you're so focused on like engaging and, and I I will win this point. My point is better, and it's like okay, you're besieging a wall place there. They've got their arguments in. Yeah, it's like you they could
0: just, you could just, win, but it's gonna it, it's gonna take so much effort. Yeah, and, like so meet many of your troops are gonna die.
1: Yeah, like so much of your energy troops, and like even if you do win. This is what Sun Tzu's talking about, like, uh, like to win in oil battles is not supreme excellence. It's like, okay, what was the point of that battle? And they talk about that in the um, the Marine Corps, uh, one of the Marine Corps books, which I think is, it paraphrases Sun Tzu, it talks how, like, you should not fight the battle for the battle. Mm. If you can win by not fighting any battles at all, that's the best thing to do. So it's like, if it's in a situation where you're arguing with a person, you should set up in such a way that you never have that argument so that you're not wasting your energy because the, even if you win that battle, some of your troops are going to die, you're going to make that relationship a bit more sort of stagnant whatever that could be, it could just be like a boss at work where, yeah. you're like, where you're like, oh I'm really digging on this point and they're digging it and you go like, oh,
0: okay, I've just wasted time, I've just lost a load of troops. Well that's the thing that's just yeah. It's just so useful because it's it's just about not oversimplifying problems despite the fact that it is in this very simple format it basically encourages you to think very dynamically, to not oversimplify a situation to like evaluate all of your assets you know I was thinking I was thinking ah oh, how am I going to like relate this book to wider philosophy or like my life or anything yeah it's and, like oh you shit, they just
1: come popping out
0: yeah and I went I went over to to Waterstones to get this book and um I was like oh it's, it's a really tiny book it'd probably be like three quid or whatever I, I, I got to Waterstones for once rather than like a second hand bookshop was it it was like 11 pounds <laughs> I bought it and then like got out of the shop. I was like, well, "Why do I do that? I can get like a like a version with like multiple translations and like do, this be like a... get a PDF online for free." Yeah, I know. I, I wanted a physical copy. I'm probably gonna buy one on the way out here today. Yeah, Just 'cause yeah. it's cool to have a talisman. Though. So I was just like, I just had to go through the whole thing of like, oh yeah, it was for a mate and uh, he got it for his birthday. He didn't want to like, twat, so I, I refunded it. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get like. Version that's actually been places like a second hand book that's got like a couple of translations in it, and like a, a you know, you have the thing at the start, but this, this like notes on the side yeah. and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I, I, I really do believe in like I, I try and get second hand books as often as possible. and That's just like if I'd have been a bit more like Sun Tzu, yes, <laughs> if, I'd, if I'd have surveyed the battlefield a little bit. If you'd known yourself and you'd know the enemy, the enemy
1: is Waterstone. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's a really cool thing. Um, well, yeah, you were just wasting, you were wasting energy, you're wasting troops. You you weren't thinking about what you're doing. Wasting or, eleven pound. Oh yeah, or like, or like, what was the reason? What was the, what was the that he talks about? You should not spend your troops to capture. You should not spend the troops that you would use to capture uh, a town, like a fortified town, when you could have just captured an easier province. So it's like you're using less troops in the form of money
0: to get the same. Or to get, like, an even greater thing. What's, um, kind of a testament to how popular this book has become, or how influential it's, Dude, it's become?
1: An, it's, it's an artefact, though. It really is. Yeah, like yeah. A, if you talk to anyone about The Art of War, they'll probably go, I mean, this is just, like, literally a bloke in the pub. would we'll be like, oh, what? The Art of War? I know what that is. Yeah, so I, I was reading it. It was used by Mao.
0: Yeah, Mao. Mao's. Yeah,
1: yeah. His big thing was um, superior forces. If the enemy has a superior force, evade them. Just a big guerrilla yeah, well, well, tactics. It influenced
0: a lot of guerrillas. Yeah, so... And the so, and, um, and, uh, Viet Cong in Vietnam as well. Yeah, because obviously, if you take all the people that were influenced by Mao, and the fact that how Mao took on these ideas, it was like a big thing for him. By extension, Sun Tzu has influenced all these people. And it's just crazy to think that it's influencing guerrilla fighters today. It's like, oh, shit, that's... Um,
1: but that that leads that, that sort of leads back to the point at the start, which is like, well, how come we haven't remembered these things? And and the thing we were talking about Sun Tzu not being a person, but Sun Tzu is, this is basically just a book about common sense, this is just like, this is the common sense things that we need reminding of. And I think like, you could do a lot of worse things in life than literally you read one these quotes every morning and be like, cool, I'm just going to apply this to like how I'm thinking or, or something like that. And it's just like, we all know what we need to do. We just need to sort of, be reminded of those facts or reminded of those easier ways to think i don't know if that makes sense but like, yeah, like that, the were saying about Chema mao applying Sun Tzu was like yeah because it's fucking
0: logical it makes sense mm. well, there was a obviously this so this book give a, a bit more history is um took off in japan as much as china really um yeah. the japanese were using it a lot and the samurai really took it on and then later on the um, japanese imperial army were using it and there was a general who this is probably at the time when the, the Jesuits and the, the Dutch were coming to Japan, I think. Um, sort of shogun era, yeah. when, when muskets would have been around. He evaded the use of guns and still won pretty much every battle. And he was he said his invincibility was down to reading and studying the art of war. But so yeah, it's it, it's the fact that's fra- the
1: thing. That's the key difference. It's the difference between reading and studying. Yeah. And it's yeah. like that's the whole thing that I liked about Sashi and I liked about Sun Tzu is you go know, cool, read this book, you're not going to know anything. You, yeah, so, you're going to know how to conquer
0: and know how to be able to do it. To study it is to internalise it and to, yeah. to, to live and breathe it, which I think this guy must have done. Not like how it was used in the Gulf War, where it's like, you know, people just like, yeah, I've read that, and it's... No, you... I, Sun Tzu says, and then like... K- k, um, yeah. c- completely diso- uh, disobeying like loads of the principles. Because that got, that got widely criticised the way they would quote the art of war in the Gulf War. It's like, yeah... I can kind of see why. Um, I think maybe they were probably putting too much ethics on the Sun Tzu's ideas, which is why I wanted to figure that out earlier. Um, what were they saying? I, I don't know anything about what they were saying about the Just gospel. that it was it was a decontextualized
1: application of um, so what were, they, what were they doing in the Gulf War and then calling it back to the Just war. like
0: Just, like, bombing shit, like, <laughs> you know, just, like... <laughs> that's, 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 your, that's
1: your attacks by fire. Sun so literally... I think the passage they have is, like, yeah, if there's an enemy below you, you should just fucking throw fire on him. Maybe they were just going, yeah, we like this bit, and you just find they've got, like, a... Whatever the equivalent of Pan was at the time, just got that circled
0: and underlined, like... Yeah, but, I mean, of all the theories of war... It's it's just, it's uh, staggering how this one is, is so popular compared to all the others. So like, obviously it's not the first book of its kind, really. And like, when you think of, uh, well, I, I I don't know about the chronology of it, but there there are other certainly other books on war. Like St. Augustine was obviously a lot after, but he did the whole Just War Theory, which was taken on by Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. If you're in sixth form or whatever, you'd just be sick to death of Just War Theory. Because <laughs> it's the only one that I learned. And it's, it's literally just like, go to war for the right reasons, go to... I mean, there's... I it's, think, it's why you should, not what you should do. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. But then, as you know, there's elements of that in Plato when he talks about the, the, the role of a state and war and how important war is to our culture. And uh, obviously, people like Alexander the Great, it's, like, kind of completely different because it's this idea of... Heroism in war. Yeah, there's which, this there's, guy so, hates. there's so many different points where like they
1: had um oh you've wandered into a fucking mine minefield now mate talking <laughs> about Alexander the Great. Um, don't worry this this isn't going to on for three hours. Connor kinda nervously looked at the recording and went oh shit we've we've only got like seventeen foot of tape. You can't, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't talk talking about fucking Alexander the Great. But they had him. Um, he was like the foil to that. So they had million He was like the the old general, and he would always be like. Well, Alexander, they sure you know, like they sure have a lot of troops. We shouldn't fight them. And then Alexander was like, No, we're just gonna fight them. And mm-hmm. then they won because Alexander's a god and he's a king and he's amazing. And, yeah, he's, so and he's a myth. And it's like Sun Tzu would
0: have hated the idea of heroism. Because he, one thing he doesn't want yeah. to glorify a battle, also he thinks that everybody should have their place. There's there's no room for insubordination um, Yeah. in his well ordered Oh, I dunno. There's there's a quote in there where he says there
1: are some armies which must not be fought. There are some rivers that must not be crossed. There are some commands from the sovereign which must not be followed. And Napoleon, if you read Napoleon's writings on war as well, Napoleon and Sun Tzu, who Sun Tzu in the story cuts off two concubines' heads for being disobedient, supposedly absolutely total on orders, like everything damn. And even he writes, and Napoleon writes as well in his books, yeah, there's certain orders you just shouldn't follow if it's wrong to do, but it's up to you as the general to interpret that. If you're at work and someone told you to do something that put you in a dangerous position, you're destroying some documents with like, some important information, on, and you go, no. That, I remember don't know when I'm destroying important documents. I, but, that. That. I got told to burn a
0: load of recyclable cardboard. There's some orders from the sovereign that must not be obeyed. It it was, it was, turned it was, around. I think it was at the same place that you were worked as our first ever job. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 and they they told they told us to shout guy, out Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was like, Bill was like, ah, oh, yes, uh, Connor, could you uh, go and burn some of this cardboard? It's loads, absolutely <laughs> loads of cardboard. And I was like, do you want to recycle that? And he's like, oh, I don't believe in all that. Ah, it's, oh, it's made up with need.
1: Just remember that there's some some orders from the. That's the point. You should have turned around and be there's some orders that come from the sovereign that must not be obeyed, and then you just walk away you throw some fucking Chinese Five Spice in his eyes and then, like, piss off around a corner. Read it. It's 40 minutes of your life. You lazy fucks. <laughs>